we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Okay, so we have a full-packed hour just ahead, my friends, and let's start, we're gonna start first of all with this, well, this paper that was retracted, uh, it gets into the the harms of uh, COVID-19, uh, but it gets more than that, and you're gonna see that uh, Dr. McCullough is a, a central star in this thing, as well as some other people, you'll know quite a few names involved in this, actually, uh, and uh, they don't like the opposing viewpoint, evidently, and the journal has retracted the statements, which is kind of odd because we're seeing more and more evidence of what is obvious to people, but there are still people in denial. We have that story. We have the World Health Organization, uh, Tedros, uh, warning of this disease X. Everybody's talking about disease X. I'll tell you, what happened to disease Y and Z? I don't know. Pushing for the pandemic treaty, they say. And that's, that's a fascinating story to me. I mean, for a few reasons, we'll talk about that. Q&A 103, welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. It's Malcolm Out Loud here along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. Well, that's a whole lot I just gave people. Let's start with this fascinating story about, uh, okay, so this is a journal that's retracted a paper on the harms of vaccines against COVID-19. Uh, of course, you were the senior author on this piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the article, COVID-19 mRNA Vaccines, Lessons Learned from the Registrational Trials and Global Vaccination Campaign. And uh, boy, they're pretty hard on you in this piece. And amongst others, I think Steve Kearse is involved in this and many others. Uh, what What is, is this? Uh, I mean, they, they're not nice in here at all, but what's going on with this, please? Well, let me tell you what happened. So this paper... Uh, Nathaniel Mead is the first author. He's a former uh, National Institutes of Health researcher. He's an epidemiologist. And there's a team, myself and Steve Kirsch, uh, Jessica Rose, and others. The title of the paper is COVID-19 Messenger RNA Vaccines, Lessons Learned from the Registrational Trials and Global Vaccination Campaign. And we've had it featured on our platform. And the, the paper concludes that the vaccines are not safe and they should be pulled off the market. Now, it went through very, very extensive peer review, probably nearly 200 you know, edits over time from all these reviewers and it has two managing editors. So it's published uh, on the platform Curious and people are allowed to make comments and that's fine. And uh, it starts to get downloads and reads. Now, the typical paper, Malcolm, on this platform Right. We'd get about 2,700 uh, downloads and reads uh, over the course of about a year. Okay. This paper now is greater than 300,000 <laughs> downloads and reads. I know where you were going before you went there. <laughs> yeah, over about a month. So we get this email that comes in on wow. February 16th, four, uh, February 16th, from Tim Kerstjes. Tim Kerstjes. He's the head of research integrity resolutions for Springer Nature Research Integrity Group. Springer is the publisher. They're a German company. And this is what he said. He said, um, uh, uh, the journalist decided to retract the article. And, and here are the eight points. Number one, we find that the article is misrepresenting all cause mortality data. Well, we're simply citing 
the mortality data that's been published. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't give any any you know support for that statement. Second statement, it doesn't give any support for any of these statements. Second, second statement, we find the article appears to be misrepresenting VAERS data. Right. Again, no, no you know, where? Uh, the third one, the article states the COVID-19 vaccine saved two lives and caused 27 deaths per 100,000. That was Pfizer. The number was um, 3.9 lives uh, uh, saved with Moderna theoretically lost 10.8 lives per 100,000. And he says, doesn't prevent, doesn't present convincing evidence. Number four, incorrect claim, vaccine or gene therapy products. Well, the FDA has already classified them as gene therapy products. Number four, the article states the vaccines are contaminated with high levels of DNA. That's been shown now in two papers. Um, we've had lots of uh, coverage of that on the platform. Uh, number six, uh, the article states SV promoter, which is a DNA contaminant, uh, can cause cancer. Uh, and then he rebuts that. Number seven, article states messenger RNA vaccines did not undergo adequate safety testing. The journal thinks that's incorrect. Well, they couldn't have undergone safety testing. They were out in two months. And then the last one- And they one were EUA as well. Yeah, and, and, and the last one is number eight. The article incorrectly states that spike proteins are produced by the vaccine, linger in the body and cause adverse effects. Well, the, the entire knowledge base on long COVID syndrome and vaccine injury syndrome is due to the spike protein. And we feature that on the platform. So basically, Karjas, who who is not a medical doctor, who has no publication track record himself, uh, has essentially overridden the editors and said he's going to pull the paper based on his eight unsupported claims. Of course, we're going to rebut it. The rebuttal is due shortly, and it's will they be listen rebutted. to the rebuttal? Will they listen to that? You, you know, this appears to be another long arm of exactly. the biopharmaceutical complex and censorship. I don't think so they this, care about your rebuttal. I think they've made their decision. No, this vaccine lobby is basically saying anything that goes against the vaccine yeah. is going to be pulled. And Malcolm, it's getting worse and worse. This is the peer review process. This took months. This has nearly 300 references. This is exhaustive. This is not some tweet. I, I mean, uh, what I'm telling the listeners is what's going on is critical information that meets peer review that is in the published literature is now being pulled if it goes against this vaccine false narrative of safe and effective. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at all the claims, the various eight claims here, and they're all very vague. They are very, very vague statements uh, to rebuke anything. And uh, most of the stuff is... Uh, things we've talked about uh, that uh, I think there's a lot of evidence about these things, but mm -hmm. so what's, what is this just a, another agenda? They, somebody got to them. They don't want it on there. Well, they... it, it, I think the article was perfectly fine. It got out there for a month. This is the same pattern. And then the biopharmaceutical complex, whoever these consultants are working for Pfizer and Moderna and the other companies, they start looking at it and say, listen, this is getting way too much attention. Let's shut this down and try to keep this vaccine agenda going. I mean, come on, 2,700 papers over, uh, it reads in a year on average paper, and we're at 300,000. This thing is rocking off the Richter scale. Yeah. And every, you know, every scientist out there is reading this and, and you know, the conclusions are, pull them off the market. Yeah, so they say here that you provided false or inaccurate medical information to the public that you've been doing that. Now, where does that come from? 
You, you know, it, it, it's uh, I give interviews, uh, many interviews per week. I always cite the data. That's just a false claim. Uh, the two people in this retraction watch uh, are, um, are uh, you know, scientific writers, PhDs that don't have individual track records. They are making false claims. This retraction watch claims to be a not-for-profit one of the editors is one of the co-editors of uh, Medscape. Uh, these guys are basically just doing a, a medical hit job. Yeah. Yeah, I read, I read through the whole thing. They said somewhere in here, I can't find it this moment, but that y'all didn't have the um, the background uh, to be able to do this or something, right? Did, is that what it was? Or they were claiming of... that um, Nathaniel Mead does it. Well, listen, he's an NIH epidemiologist. That's right. And uh, he's more than qualified to be first author, and I'm qualified to be senior author for sure. This uh, The guy who pulled it, uh, Tim Kirchhoff, he has zero citations in the National Library of Medicine, and I think I'm at 692. <laughs> the two guys who wrote Retraction Watches. They, 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 You're like you like got the most badges of yeah, anybody. I mean, oh so I'm, I'm the big heavyweight here. Oh these, guys my are, God. these guys are saying, well, you know, that suddenly I'm unqualified. That's this funny. is just an obvious propaganda machine that we're up against. So why bother then? Just, I guess, who really cares at that point? Just dismiss it. If they're going to play these kinds of games, they're going to play them all the time, aren't they? I mean, these kinds of curious, curious I'm talking it's about. It's true, though. We, we, but I mean, we continue to press. The, the data sure. are, are always published in the end. And you know what happens is every time they do this, Malcolm, guess what? It makes even more noise. Now there's record downloads. People want to know why is it being censored? Uh, the same thing. It, you know, if, if there would have been no noise on this, yeah. this would have. They're going to actually make this even more visible Good. to the public who wants to know the truth. Well, then I'd like to know the follow up on this and what happens. And I'd like to. Uh, cover more of this actually we'll put it on viewpoint on the weekend and uh blow it out there where we got a quarter of a million people listening <laughs> uh for sure and uh yeah yeah be happy to because uh, this sort of stuff gets ir irritating after a while uh when it's all politically uh, agenda induced and uh, you know i mean we're way down the road here i mean we know what's going on here i mean come on who who are we joking and but you know big pharma never gives up but that's why they're coming out with all these other things, these other products that we've been talking about, because they've lost, they're losing so much revenue. Nobody's standing in line anymore for their stupid vaccines yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that the enthusiasm for the vaccines is gone. I don't know anybody who's taken a shot, Malcolm. And, no. you know, really the last year, although I know some of our listeners in Canada, Australia, New Zealand are essentially forced into it. Um, they're still being forced into it, you mean? Yeah, and people want out of it. I guess the most prominent university still having a mandate is Harvard, and uh, I think. Oh, it's below... still, hold on, hold on. It's you, you're you're saying Harvard? It's still mandated there. Yeah, Harvard is still mandating the vaccines at this late stage. Oh my despite God, all the safety I didn't data. know that. There's fewer than seventy universities that wow. are mandated, but Harvard is one of them. But but the vaccines are so dangerous wow. that if someone's mandated to take it and they die. That's the reason why Texas has a ban on all mandates. So even if a university in Texas wanted to mandate it, it's against the law now. No one can be forced to take one of these vaccines in Texas because they're so dangerous.
you know, the people at Harvard, I want to ask you something. We've been, we deal with all this, this, all the presidents, the Claudine Gay, that controversy has been all over our platform and network, but you know, all right. So they forced, I didn't know there was still a ban there on total mandates at this late game. I, I did not know that. So, all right. So if that's the case, how, let me ask you this sincerely, it, if you go to Harvard, you're supposed to be like really smart, like intellectually, like have some brilliance of some sort, maybe potentially. But like, how can that be? If what I really, I mean, I, I this is gonna, I mean, I probably sound like a smart guy here, but um, how is it that can be? How intellectually brilliant can people be that are going to Harvard to be forced to be mandated, to be ridiculed, and say you must take this, with or without all the evidence? I mean. That doesn't sound very intelligent to me, Peter. How can that possibly, I mean, these people have got to be dumb as rocks. Come on. It, it's not a decision made out of intelligence, Malcolm. What we're seeing is <laughs> a tremendous amount of, uh, of corruption <laughs> and of, of, of racketeering <laughs> and connections. The real question is, what's the connection between the biopharmaceutical complex, this vaccine lobby, wow. and Harvard University? Uh, you know, is it the Gates Foundation? Is it the Rockefeller Foundation? Welcome Trust, WHO, World Economic Forum. Follow the money. Uh, do you know the Gates Foundation is the leading donor to the Center for Disease Control Foundation, by the way, CDC. The Gates Foundation has a memorandum of understanding with the US FDA on what they want to see happen. You know, maybe it's the Gates Foundation that has a strong enough pull at Harvard to say, you know what, don't drop our precious vaccine mandate. You you stand as an example to the country that the Harvard students keep taking their shots. They should be on shot number eight now. Yeah. Um, That's the only thing I can think mm -hmm. of at this point in time. It's, but it's not a rational decision. It's no. not a smart decision. And no one at Harvard is standing out there saying, I'm responsible for this. This is a good thing. And I'm the one taking responsibility. Everyone at Harvard is hiding behind their desks right now. No one's standing up saying it's their idea to do these shots. Yeah. You know, you say follow the money. And I, I mean, I understand this. We, we learned this in business school and, and we, we get the whole concept of, of that. But, you know, I have to tell you in full disclosure, Peter, when it comes to hurting people and human life and tragedy of any sorts, there is no amount of follow the money that would be high enough for me to trade somebody in. It just does not exist. How people sell themselves out is such evil for money, for like, in, and money, you know, you think about money, it's such a disgusting, dirty substance. I mean, it's not even clean looking. I mean, everybody's touched, it's disgusting. I mean, but like money, what does money really buy? It doesn't buy happiness. I mean, I, I don't get on my soapbox here, but it really disgusts me how people sell like fellow human being out just for money. The greed of all evil. It's disgusting to me. I have to tell you truly. I would never sell somebody out for life or death based on money. How's that? Well, remember the administrators are still saying, listen, we're following the CDC. The CDC says still to give these. The FDA has turned a blind side to safety. Papers like the Mead paper we just discussed are being pulled off after people read them. So they're trying to be silenced. So, you know, those in the Harvard administration, 
that know the vaccines are not safe and are ineffective. You know, morally and ethically, they should resign. They should not be in a chain of command where these are being administrated. I mean, we have, what, 5,000 colleges and universities in the United States. We have fewer than 70 that are still mandating it. What's special about Harvard? Not a damn thing. If every other university doesn't think that the kids need the shots. In Texas, it's we feel so strongly about it that the the mandates are outlawed. Then Harvard has nowhere to go here. I I mean, so these administrators... Yeah, so the, the people in this chain and and the students. Now, uh, my, my show uh, recently, I was on with Claudia Chafan from uh, York University in Toronto. It's a wonderful interview. She said the reason why the students are not protesting, Malcolm, is that the PSYOP, the indoctrination, it yes. worked. It worked. I've seen that. I've seen that. I heard it. It was great. It was great. Yeah. So So the kids actually think because this psychological psychological operation was so successful they do think they're protecting themselves they do think they're this is a good thing to do yeah no i hear you i hear you and and that was good you you yeah you're you're doing some good stuff there all right let's get to this other story here um i i just find this i i well let me just get it out here it's interesting but you know i I try to dismiss a lot of this but it's kind of hard to uh (laughs) The World Health Organization Chief Tedros, the Director General, of course, uh, warns of disease X. All right, so here, here you go here. So he he heads up this organization. He says it's not a matter of when. Uh, it, it, it is a matter of when, not if, rather. not It's a matter of when, not if. Those are the words. Okay, now, so they had the World Government Summit, they call it. And it sounds, I mean, that's really very official if you were ever invited. I've not been invited, but to the World Government Summit. It sounds very exclusive, in fact. All right. it, and it was in the United Arab Emirates. Okay, all right. And Director Tedros uh, says to the members that his prior predictions about a virus like COVID-19 came true. Imagine that. Wow. He must have been <laughs> hanging out with Gil Gates a little bit. Bill Gates and him probably pounding around town. I don't know. He again said that the international community <clears throat> is unprepared for another pandemic. Well, what the hell? Is, I mean, how prepared do we need to be? We haven't had one over in 100 years. I mean, is this something's going to come up next November or something? I mean, wow. So then he's a quote. He says in quotes here, today I stand before you in the aftermath of COVID-19 with millions of people dead. Yeah. Uh, sidebar because of your damn vaccines that's me speaking now but anyways with social economic and political shocks that reverberate to this day he said to the crowd uh at the world economic forum klaus schaub uh etc etc he may be caused it, it may be caused by the influenza virus or it could be the coronavirus or a new pathogen we don't even know what it is yet we just know it's coming Dr. McCullough, something just stinks about this. I don't know quite what it is, but this kind of nails down disease X for me. What do you say? <laughs> I can tell you're frustrated. Well, first off, the first part of his statement says, people didn't listen to my clairvoyance, <laughs> that he was predicting the future and people didn't listen. Well, wait a minute. How did he know the future? Was he, is he part of this? I, I mean, all the experts agree that the SARS-CoV-2 was engineered. This was planned in this biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. Was he in on it from the very beginning? Is that the reason why the WHO didn't allow three independent scientists in the U.S. to come inspect the lab early in 2020 like Rear Admiral Brett Gerard wanted? 
Instead, he picked Peter Daszak, who was part of the creation of SARS-CoV-2 with Ralph Barrick, Anthony Fauci, and Dr. Xingling Li. You know, I, I think Tedros is in on this whole thing. And he is conjuring up fear because he knows what's going on in these bio labs. Anthony Fauci is a high level advisor to the WHO, so he's still yeah. active. There's bio labs all over the world yeah. working on developing these infectious threats to be more infectious and more deadly. Matter of fact, one of the releases, Malcolm said, it's going to be 20 times more deadly than COVID. Well, yeah. how do they know? How do they know this? The point is they do know it. I think we should take it seriously. Uh, this is now the new reality. So we used to have a military industrial complex where people were working on, companies were working on kinetic weapons and defense systems. Now we have companies and labs and governments working on biological threats and then countermeasures, which are vaccines and therapeutics. It's the same thing. This is like a military run-up, but it's the biopharmaceutical complex. I just want to say, Mom, stop the merry-go-round. I want to get off, please. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's so much corruption out here. What, what is going on with the world anymore? I, it's hard to recognize this planet we were born on. I don't even recognize it anymore. It's all, like, out of control. And, you know, I don't know about you. Do you ever feel like, do you, do you ever get the sense of yourself that, like, like you and I were close to the same age, very similar. Do you, you know, in that life and that age, and do you ever get the sense that, uh, do, you, do you ever still feel like a young person, like a young man, do you, like a young boy almost? Do you ever feel that way? Like you still got a lot ahead of you and you really don't know what's going on? Do you, do you ever feel like that? I feel less and less every day, Malcolm. I don't know. I wow. guess I'm feeling my age, but uh, God, I'm, I'm God feeling, God. honestly, the weight of, of, I think, moral responsibility. And what I'm seeing is I'm not seeing buildings crumble. I'm not seeing bullets fly. I'm not seeing, right. you know, blood and guts and despair, right. certainly right. not in our circles in the United States. But right. what I'm seeing is I'm seeing disordered thought. Yeah, We're seeing evidence of people not thinking straight. We're seeing evidence of, it looks like, nefarious intent. I mean, yeah. what? And then we're seeing ev evidence of widespread corruption everywhere and everywhere. attempts and aspirations yeah. of world domination right yep, in front yep. of us yep yep it's not listen listen to your point to your point it's not a kinetic event at this point of time you're exactly right and we've been speared that a lot in our country we've been very blessed in that way that we haven't had that chaos and that um we see it in so many countries, and we haven't had that here on our streets specifically. Now, things are getting a little unruly lately. We do feel that, and some communities more than others, uh, but we haven't had that experience so much. You're exactly right, and uh, we so we're kind of blessed in that way, and we're fighting the good fight, and we know this, and we know there's a lot of evil out there, and we're struggling with it. Let me get, let me throw this question out from Jane because it's very relevant to what we just talked about. I just happened to notice it a moment ago here as we do Q&A 103 in a moment here. But I just want to get this one before the pause here. So from Jane, she listen to this. She says, apparently, apparently in Davos, they prepared for another pandemic. There are vaccines already being made for the, for the Nipah virus. Any thoughts on what the antidote will be for this pandemic? See, here's what's happened. Dr. McCullough, people have lost trust. The public trust is lost. It's gone. It's gone. There's no more public trust. It's gone. 
and people feel naked. They feel naked uh, to and vulnerable, vulnerable to what's going on right now in the world. This is why we're inundated with all of this response and communications and questions. So that's what they feel like. These people are up to no damn good, which is what you were just ex expounded about. Um, any thoughts to Jane? What she said, what the next antidote will be for the next pandemic? We don't even know what the next pandemic is. We hope it doesn't happen. It's so true. Well, there have been papers written on this, and I've been following this. Let's just uh, narrow it down. It looks like the next pandemic will be a virus uh, as opposed to a bacteria or a fungi. And among the viral strains, it'll probably be a respiratory virus, not like a virus that you, you get by contact like Ebola. It's going to be a respiratory virus, similar to COVID. And... Um, it's likely to have the same pattern of spread, the same risks in terms of elderly, feeble. Um, and the Center for the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, founded by World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation, said there will be a series of these pandemics, one after another. And there's only one response that is a vaccine. So don't look for an antidote. Don't look for anything else from this biopharmaceutical complex outside of vaccines. What she's really asking is, what can they do at home? The first line of defense, Malcolm, is going to be the virucidal nasal sprays, for sure. Dilute povidone iodine. Uh, you know, we featured Cofix RX, uh, nasal spray, throat spray, gargling, scope Listerine with some povidone iodine. The xylitol-based sprays have a, a chronic role to play. Uh, colloidal silver, their data support there. Everybody should be out, outfitted with nasal sprays and gargles. Believe it or not, for some viruses like Marburg virus, which has been discussed, and there's been outbreaks of Marburg virus uh, many times over, hydroxychloroquine may play a role. Um, the uh, ivermectin may play a diffuse antiviral approach. We'll probably end up using corticosteroids. But most importantly, whatever the next pandemic is, it could be like Spanish flu, where people didn't die of Spanish flu, they died of the secondary bacterial infections. So it's likely people should be outfitted with some antibiotics. And the antibiotics that cover secondary infections include uh, doxycycline, azithromycin, cephalexin, ciprofloxacin, ofloxacin. So, you know, one of the things that I've been working on is the chief scientific officer of the wellness company are the emergency kits, the kits to actually people have at home to at least have some peace of mind, Malcolm. If we hear tomorrow that something's been released and we shut down before we know it, we can't, you know, get to clinics, we could be, this could be COVID all over again. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. Uh, so, all right, let, let me step back a minute. And uh, I, uh, I, I, you know, even before this COVID business, I, I just really feel, um, I don't know, Peter, we, we have to, to me, a healthy mind is a healthy body, is a healthy mind, is a healthy body. Uh, and I think you have to work at that. I think it's something you can't take for granted. I grew up in an era where we both grew up in the era, actually, where people were smoking, people were casual, people were laying on the sofa, people didn't maybe get it. And, you know, but we're a lot wiser today. We're a lot smarter. And we know that a healthy lifestyle pays back in multitudes of dividends to us in so many ways. It's important. 
Uh, today, I again, I went out walking for four miles, uh, and I go out with my little dog. I have a little Chinese crested. I don't know if I told you that, Peter, little Chinese mm. crested. Hearless. Now, listeners will know what I mean by, do you know what a Chinese crested is, what he looks like? No, no. Is it a oh, tiny little dog? I got to send you a picture of him one time. He is incredible. His name is Zachary. Zachary. And, uh, well, we love him uh, to pieces. Um, and I go out walking, and and I've been getting him out to walk because he needs to have a healthy immune system too and lose a few pounds, I told him the other day, because he eats well and lives well. And <laughs> so I have him out walking with me four miles a day. And uh, but it's a yeah, you know what I'm talking out there. If you have a, you, the Chinese crest that he's a hearless Chinese, just a beautiful dog, just amazing, great personality, great look. Uh, he dresses in fashion, has because he's hearless, so hypoallergenic, all of that. And uh, no hair, I don't like hair, I don't like mess. I'm kind of weird that way. I'm like the odd couple, you know, the guy in the odd couple who was a neat neck. That's me. And uh, I, I don't remember the names, but uh, anyways, um. So uh, so when I walk in, took my healthy cell, uh, took all the things I need to take, uh, and I love it. I love the products. I love everything we're doing here on the shop. But the health kit you're talking about is very important. I just had a conversation the other day with the wellness company about this. We're bringing in, there's a series, I think it's five kits, and we're going to have them all displayed on the website. We're going to talk about all of them ahead. But the COVID kit has the hydroxychloroquine, has the Z-Pak, the budesonite, the nebulizer, um, the hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, uh, it's got everything in it. And uh, it's the way to go. Uh, so uh, these kits are really amazing. They've got a travel kit. They've got other kits. We talked about it last week, Dr. McCullough and I did. But let me get, we're going to roll out some things on this over the next couple of weeks to tell you. But everybody should have that kit. Everybody should have that kit. And you should have it for every person in the family. Mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. you don't know when you're going to need it. That's the point of an emergency. <laughs> you can't call in after the fact. We all learned that through COVID. Be prepared. And so have the kit. They got that. But also, I don't want to lose sight, Dr. McCullough, of the base uh, spike detox, which is still... Mm -hmm. get, get, give us a brief update on that. What's going on on the natokinase, the bromelain, mm -hmm. uh, the turmeric extract. Give us a brief update on that. Yeah, well, McCullough Protocol Base Spike Protein Detoxification now is fully trademarked in the European Union. It's a combination starting of natokinase 2,000 units twice a day, bromelain 500 milligram once a day. These have to be taken on an empty stomach, very important. And then curcumin 500 milligrams twice a day, with or without food. Now we add piperine to it, which is black pepper extract to cause the curcumin to be absorbed, five to 10 milligrams per dose. That's a starting dose, and these can be accelerated. And it's for people who've had COVID multiple times and or taken multiple shots of the COVID-19 vaccine. And they they either have wished to be detoxified and simply have concerns, or they have bona fide symptoms, uh, anything from ear ringing to numbness and tingling, headaches, sleeplessness, fatigue, post-exertional malaise, um, the whole gamut of long COVID, long vaccine syndrome symptoms, the detoxification has started. Now it takes probably three to 12 months. People start noticing three to four months, they start noticing that things improve as the body is detoxified of the spike protein. And we actually see the antibodies against the spike protein go down over time, meaning the body's finally getting rid of this. Right. And this virus is nasty, as you know, it installs itself in the human body I know I've had it three times now, Malcolm. My ears are ringing right now. This less, and I've been on the detox now for about two months. I can't wait 
to get to three or four months and get get back to normal. Yeah, a lot of people want to get back to normal, and they're struggling. I mean, I I read every day. I read more and more, and I of course we get so much correspondence in here on the struggling, the suffering of long COVID and the people and the the problem the people who have regret so much taking those vaccines. Um, and it's a which we predicted this a couple of years back that this was going to be the case today. And it pretty well is what's happening. Um, you know, that's, that's the repercussions from this whole thing. Um, there's, there's a lot to do here with this. Um, we're going to start to feature some of the unique products with uh, many of these companies. I, we're going to rev this up a little bit. I want to, I see so many of the responses coming in here and about uh, the wellness company there. I, I really like the people behind it as well. No matter what I need, I correspond with them. I send them the communications that you all send me. They respond immediately to everybody. I mean, they're on top of it and they always give a great response back and they jump into it. And they, if there's something that needs to be adjusted or uh, somebody didn't get something, they jump right on it and fix it. So very credible. That That's important. You deal with credible people. And that's the people I like to deal with. People who you know stand behind things. That's who the wellness company is. I've been very, very impressed, just as I am with Copix RX and with Healthy Cell, all of these companies that we're so blessed to uh, to work with here and to get the information out. Uh, use code out loud uh, on the wellness company products. You'll get twenty five percent off those products here. Uh, Healthy Cell as well, which is terrific products. I love them all. Uh, Copix RX they have the throat spray now as well, and they have the nasal hygiene, of course, with the povidone iodine. However you use it. And then I don't want to forget to talk about Clear as well, because the xylitol-based products are phenomenal. And Clear does a phenomenal job with all, with their entire product line. I use it as well. And they have Spry, uh, which is mm. they have the gums and they have the throat sprays and all of that. And that's, of course, at uh, pharmacies, drugstores, what have you. But I really like this company, again, very credible, highly, highly uh, effective. Uh, these are kinds of people who stand behind the products. And they're out to do good by people. You know, uh, uh, Dr. McCullough, I would say to you, that is the connecting force to me of all the kinds of companies we talk about here. They're very credible. They research, they have the studies, but they also stand behind the products. That's important. Oh, for sure. And, you know, these companies in many ways have been heroes. They've been stymied. Uh, Nate Jones, the CEO for Clear uh, in our book, Courage to Face COVID-19, discloses that every company making nasal sprays and gargles was tied up by the Federal Trade Commission trying to block these products to patients who needed them. They were acutely ill. And what people need to practically know is during the acute illness, we favor the iodine-based products because they kill the virus. That would be Cofix Rx. Now, uh, and you can put iodine uh, certainly in a gargle, scope, or Listerine, or use the Cofix RX uh, throat spray. Now, the iodine is irritating to the nasal passages for sure. And so make sure if it hurts at all to dilute it. I don't want anybody to have any burning up the nose. Uh, but after you know the treatment, five to 10 days of this, chronically what you want to do is convert over to xylitol-based products. Xylitol is a natural sugar uh, it inhibits the virus for sure. Many, many randomized trials show that. And it also changes the microbiome in the nose and mouth, and therefore the GI tract, because we're constantly swallowing, to favor the good guy bacteria that fight off the bad guys, including the, the, the few number of bad guy bacteria and viruses. 
All right, we're going to take a pause here. This is Q&A 103-103. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead, but don't go anywhere. We'll be several beats in just a moment. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Asia believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. Asia, we power potential. For exclusive savings, Use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. When God, through His grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the broadcast. It's Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. This is Q&A 1-103-103. And uh, all right, let's jump right in. I've got some great questions here. I want to jump right in. This first one's from Jeff. Uh, Dr. McCullough, I've seen people say that the vaccine destroys the recipient's immune system. I took the original two. My immune system does feel normal, I think. I had a fever a few weeks ago and it was over in a day or so. I don't understand. He's asking, does the vaccine permanently destroy everyone's immune system? Is it temporary or is it the case that some are unlucky? Unlucky. That's a good question. Yeah, very good question. I think some are unlucky. You know, some of these lots were particularly dangerous, associated with a lot of side effects. I think a proxy for high concentrations of messenger RNA. 
And there is a syndrome called vaccine-associated immunodeficiency syndrome, VADES. It's, it's actually a term of reference in the Australian inquiry proposed by Dr. Melissa McCann. There are some people who take the shots whose immune system is down, Malcolm, and they're getting infection after infection. We've had outbreaks of adenovirus, hepatitis, of leprosy, uh, bacterial infections over and over again. But I think it's just people who have these bad lots. And by the way, this website, How Bad Is My Batch? I recently used it for a publication. is really solid. They're keeping it up to date. Uh, I think there are now over 4,000 Pfizer batches. I think anybody who take the shot, they ought to go to howbadismybatch.com, uh, go in there and just uh, you know find your batch and, and figure out where it ranks in this, in this schema. Uh, if you're in the top 10%, watch out. I, I think you got a high dose of messenger RNA. Wow. And for those who didn't take it, you're you're fortunate. But yeah, no, I mean, wow. Uh, this next one's from Jimmy. Uh, Dr. McCullough, what is your opinion on the Deagle prediction that the U.S. will have a mass depopulation down to 99 million by 2025 and that the vaccines are the main driver to this goal as they will kill all who took them within two to five years? Wow. Do you believe that this might be true and that everyone vaccinated will be dead before 2025? I worry when I see things like this. All right, so how much of this is hyperventilation? Uh, how much of this is real? I, I hear these all these times about depopulation. I, I never subscribe to that, uh, Peter, but do, do you uh, have any No, sense? I agree. I, haven't, I don't subscribe to it uh, either. Okay. Um, you know, we are seeing people die unexpectedly. We do believe it's the vaccine. But, you know, if we have between 7 and 8 billion people on Earth, right. the estimate is right now about 17 million vaccine deaths. And that's by Dennis Rancourt, epidemiologist in Montreal. That's hardly depopulation. The all-cause mortality uh, curves uh, are actually going down, meaning that most of the vaccine deaths are probably behind us because fewer people are taking vaccines. Yeah. So um, I, I don't see it. However, okay. there is a range of regulatory concern. I recently in Congress testified to this fact. It's a minimum of five years. And the FDA says maybe 15 years on a gene transfer technology platform, which the messenger RNA and adenoviral DNA vaccines are. We've got five to 15 years to worry. So if someone has taken shots in 2021, it means we're worried till 2026. And there will be more people who die of the vaccine late. That will happen. But is it at the level of depopulation? I agree with you. I don't think it is. There's two, yeah, you, you can't get conspiracy theories, theorists here, and there's a lot of that out there. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. I never have. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, and I'm not going to change my mind. I know a lot of people, a lot of my circle of people, they think it's really happening, that they're sitting in smoky-filled rooms uh, trying to figure out how to depopulate the planet. I, I have a hard time with that stuff. Sorry. Um, all right, Marie says, in July 21, I previewed an interview with Dr. McCullough. Uh, Dr. McCullough confirmed my hesitation with the mRNA technology. Why would someone put something in their body that makes a toxin due to the debacle of the COVID jab rollout and the fact that pharmaceutical companies have no liability with the <laughs> safe and manufacture of vaccines? I have become skeptical. Wise, wise woman you are, Marie. Uh, of all vaccines, I no longer get flu shots. I did receive my 10-year tetanus shot, uh, but I wondered if that was even necessary. I'm a 70-year-old female in excellent health and, and received a, a pneumonia vaccine uh, four or five years ago. 
Now at my last annual physical, it was suggested that I get the Prevnar uh, 20 vaccine, another pneumonia vaccine. Uh, I'm just curious, what's your opinion on the Prevnar 20? Are there any vaccinations that you would recommend for seniors? So good question. All right. The, you know, the Prevnar pneumococcal vaccine is minimally effective. There are s- some studies, some of the earlier versions were statistically insignificant from zero. All the studies show it's way less than 50% protection. So I think going forward, we should have a risk stratified approach. So the healthy uh, listener who just you know put this question forward, I, I don't see a compelling case, case for it. Now, if someone is obese, a diabetic, emphysema, heart failure, a pneumococcal pneumonia could be fatal. Why, why not take the vaccine? But the idea is it's not a communicable disease. We don't spread pneumococcal vac- you know, disease to one another. So transmission is not an issue. Um, I would say, why don't we take a risk stratified approach? Patients with significant heart and lung disease consider the pneumococcal vaccine and we can consider the, the other ones in there, respiratory syncytial virus and influenza vaccines, but not for everybody on the planet, Malcolm, and certainly not for little children. Right, right. All right. Well, that was a good lineup from Marie here. Um, I love the, her explanations and her details and her questions. Pretty cool. Now, uh, this one's from Ellis. Is a normal echocardiogram heart scan and electrocardiogram, a sign that there is no cardiomyopathy and that the heart has healed in regards to the PET scans? It's pretty solid. Now, an echocardiogram that shows no fluid around the heart, normal left ventricular, normal right ventricular function um, is pretty solid. It's very reassuring. These PET scans that are abnormal, we're not sure what to do with them because we would only order them in someone with prior bypass surgery or angioplasty. And we're trying to figure out whether or not there's ischemia there. The PET scans that were taken in the Nakahara paper, and that's what's being referred to, were being done in cancer patients and looking for cancer elsewhere in the body. They just happen to have the heart scan part of it. So I'm not ordering PET scans right now in vaccine patients I'm following the data. I am relying quite a bit on ultrasound to make sure things are solid. Uh, when there is a significant cardiomyopathy or weakness of the heart, the echo will show it on a reduced ejection fraction. Okay, this one's from Ellis. Is a normal echocardiogram, heart scan, and electro... Oh, we already said that one from Ellis. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Tori. Uh, my sister-in-law has lesions on her brain from COVID and her vaccination. She needs to complete the McCullough protocol to detox her body from the spike proteins. However, she's allergic to pineapple and bromelain. Wow. She's tried to take quercetin with bromelain and had to stop because of the allergic reaction she was having. What should she take instead of the bromelain? She has been miserable for almost three years now and not getting any better. She has numbness, extreme lethargy, and many more issues. What do you say to Tori? Hmm. It's hard to know, you know, there are uh, syndromes out there, multiple sclerosis-like syndromes that cause what's considered UBOs or um, unidentified bright objects or kind of white areas of demyelination in the brain. I'd have to have more details on what the brain lesions are in order to get a better handle on this. Now, detoxification for these deep brain lesions with natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin is not expected to work, Malcolm, because these don't have penetration into the brain. The one enzyme that's been proposed in one paper by Senef and colleagues, 
that could penetrate the uh, central nervous system is serapeptase, serapeptase. Mm. So when I've seen some patients, you know, with progressive cognitive decline or something along those lines, I have suggested that in addition to the base spike detoxification, but I simply don't have the data to support. Well, that's a great answer. I'm sorry, but uh, Tori, that will help you right there. That's more than we knew just a few minutes ago. That That's good. Uh, this one's from JD. Would there be any adverse reaction given a COVID compromised kidney uh, have the COVID shot uh, to a direct relative who has not had the shot? This would be an adult child to mother. I'm the grandmother and mother, respectively. I'm horrified, not only what could happen physically, but emotionally, if the mother ended up with not only a failed transplant, but getting a bad COVID response in the body and the emotional response from a daughter of knowing she gave her mother a potential death knell. The granddaughter is adamant to the idea of the personal transplant and the mother is eager to the idea, even though she knows how bad the COVID shot is and its consequences. I'm horrified for them both. Any comments on that to JD? Wow. Boy, that's a tough one. So far, we haven't seen donor to recipient transference of, of COVID or, or, you know, organ failure. We, there, there are some data in corneal transplants in the era of vaccination. The corneal transplants are failing. Theoretically, either the recipient took it or the donor gave it, and the spike protein must be in the, in the cornea. Uh, with this scenario, probably I'd check antibodies against the spike protein and nucleocapsid, get a handle on whether or not the body has kind of finished off the, the vaccine in the donor. During this prolonged period when they're trying to consider the donor and recipient reasonable to do McCullough protocol based spike protein detoxification, make sure you talk about that with doctors. And uh, remember on the natokinase and bromo in their mild blood thinner, so they need to be stopped before there's any type of uh, donation procedure. Okay. Uh, Sheila says, what is the current COVID variant like? Now, these are interesting questions she has. Because I, I haven't really done it. Well, I think you mentioned it actually a couple weeks ago. But all right. Current COVID variant like. Are there, are there more hospitalizations again? I have known a few people. I have known of a few people with no symptoms, but have been near sick people who have fainted. And there was no reason why, hmm. even though these people didn't have COVID, or at least that they knew of, does this sound like they may have had it and been asymptomatic? What is the current protocol for protection and the virus? Is this still a thing? I guess I'm wondering, based on Sheila. Well, uh, what you mentioned is the JN1 variant of Omicron. That was what people had, Malcolm, late last year. I think you and D kind of avoided it, but most of right. us got it. It was pretty severe. I have oh, to tell you, I saw really? so many people knocked out. I bet a lot of people listening to this were knocked out. Um, That's a J, J1N1, is it? JN1, and J1. it's a variant of Omicron. We use the same McCullough protocol up front, the nasal sprays and gargles, right. the uh, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, and then, of course, you know our choice on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Um, but what I found on the tail end is cough, 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 and it's productive. And you know what? I saw a patient like that today. We used doxycycline. Doxycycline was our go-to. Yeah. It was covering the macrolide-resistant mycoplasma infection, the so-called Chinese pneumonia, anyway. So I'd encourage people, listen, if they're struggling on this, my mom got it in senior living, Malcolm, and I got her on the doxy right away. She breezed through it. Yeah. Me and my wife struggled. We needed IVs in the end. I was like, wow. thank the Lord. I figured it out for my mom because she wouldn't have done well 
so again, keep in mind this this last version of it may need some drug support on the back end, even if it's a second infection or third infection. Yeah, I, I, we've taken the doxycycline. It's been really, really good. It's been effective as anything. But, you know, no, I didn't need the JN1. D and I had enough with the Delta variant. Thank you very much. We didn't need any more after that. That was like, wow. Uh, mm. It was a handful. All right. This one uh, from Jane. Thank you for the great information on America Out Loud. If a patient needs a blood transfusion, would he or she get the COVID-19 spike protein if the blood that was received was from someone who took the COVID booster shots? Malcolm, it's possible within six months. That's the range of the data we have. Brogna and colleagues from Germany. Um, however, today I just got an update. The American Red Cross is finally asking about vaccine status on the intake form. It's like the first thing that comes up on the internet. Now, did you take a COVID vaccine after all this time? Because people have been pushing them to say, listen, let us know if the donor took the vaccine or not. Finally, American Red Cross is asking, I think that's fair game for people who are getting a transfusion to say, listen, I, I want unvaccinated blood. Okay. All right, this, was, this one's from David. I'm confused about the consequences of the two mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, compared to the J&J. I know both types are bad, but I have not ever heard a side-by-side -side comparison that delineates both the potential short and long-term side effects. Is there a topic, is this a topic that you'd be willing to address, they asked, that's uh, David. Okay, first off, let's take the first comparison, which is Pfizer versus Moderna. In a paper by Husby and colleagues, is one of the few direct comparisons, Moderna is worse. Moderna had higher rates of myocarditis as one side effect. I bet it's across all the side effects. Makes sense. Moderna is 100 micrograms of messenger RNA. Pfizer is 30. Those were the original doses. Now the booster has come down somewhat, but Moderna, I think, is slightly more dangerous than Pfizer. Now the um, Janssen vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine, they've been removed from the market they both had a specifically higher rate of blood clots uh, than Pfizer Moderna. However, they were equal in terms of other dangers, myocarditis, neuropathy, et cetera. The hope with the, the um, Janssen and the AstraZeneca, the adenoviral vaccine, uh, vaccines in the body, Malcolm, is they wouldn't last as long. They wouldn't be like messenger RNA that just keeps producing, producing, producing. So we'll have to see. I still think to this day, the people who took one shot of J&J, &J, chances are they're better off than people that took two shots of Pfizer Moderna. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This one's from Cy. Uh, myocarditis has a fatality rate of 50% in five to 10 years. Dr. McCullough, does this mean that we will continue to see sudden deaths occur for at least another seven years? That 50%, believe it or not, Malcolm, comes from one of my publications years ago called the wow. REACH study, and that was for general heart failure, a five-year 50% survival. So that number's been applied to myocarditis due to giant cell or Coxsackie causing a dilated cardiomyopathy. I don't think that applies to the vaccine, uh, COVID-19 vaccine myocarditis mortality rate. There is a paper by Lane and colleagues that gives the case fatality rate, and it ranges from like 0.2% to 40% depending on the case series, but it's gonna be somewhere, the mortality rate's gonna be somewhere much lower, I think, given all the cases, probably less than 10%. Uh, 
uh, and with good treatment, hopefully 0% under my care. And I treat a lot of myocarditis patients, multimodality. I haven't had a single cardiac arrest. I'm getting people better. The main thing is to recognize the myocarditis and get high quality treatment. Okay, perfect, perfect. Last one right here from Barty. With the maternal mortality rates, based on your knowledge, is it mainly pregnant women who are vaccinated during or before pregnancy that tragically die? I am vaccinated, but my partner is not, and I don't want to harm her. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, we don't know about the man. Uh, we do know about the women, and there's a, a paper by Hoyert and colleagues from the Center for Health, National Health Statistics showing record maternal mortality rate. About um, two-thirds of women in that study took a shot either before pregnancy or during pregnancy. The rates are much lower now. Um, I do think the highest risk is a mother taking a shot during pregnancy. I do not think that's indicated. I think actually, honestly, it's, it's contraindicated. And I put that in writing. Pregnant women should not be taking the COVID-19 vaccines. However, I'm concerned about a vaccine in the past in the pregnant woman. If there are other conditions, let's say she's got a blood clotting disorder. Oh boy, now we've got a problem of having a deep venous thrombosis with the uh, pregnancy or a bleeding disorder than having a fetal hemorrhage or maternal hemorrhage. So if a woman is taking a shot, please tell the gynecologist and make sure that, you know, there's been consideration on what the background conditions are. For the man, I'm not sure. I think for both to play it safe before they attempt to get pregnant, why not do McCullough protocol-based spike protein detoxification? Give the best chance one can have to be free of the spike protein and have a healthy pregnancy. Amen to that. Yeah, healthy pregnancy for sure. Uh, listen, uh, one thing to note here, friends, is that all the information, all the things we're talking about on America Out Loud Pulse are for educational purposes, period, end stop. Um, you really need to see your own physician to get specific information, uh, clearly and a, a health plan of sorts, whatever. Uh, but we, again, this is educational. We're speaking to a, a wider group here. So you have to appreciate and understand that. That's that. Second thing is, think about all the questions we raise on this program on a regular basis. And by the way, you can send any host a question back at America Out Loud. Just go to uh, the page there right off the menu and see any host and send go right to them directly, by the way. Uh, but you know what? Uh, all these questions we do here on this broadcast, Dr. McCullough doesn't know them ahead of time. I don't know them ahead of time. I speak to them just as they've been pulled, as my team has pulled them. They're on a sheet here. I bring them out there. That's why you'll see me say them the way I do. And think about the studies he quotes, the information he gives. And I mean, it's nothing short of brilliance, really, when you see somebody stand on their feet. Nobody has answered the kind of questions in the thorough way that Dr. McCullough has right here on this broadcast with the most sincerity and authenticity that anybody could ever ask for. So I think that's important to say as well. Thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat.